Welcome to another edition of Fordham Conversations. I'm Emmanuel Burburn. It's been a wild few months in the sports world, and on the college level, there's so much uncertainty for the student athlete when their next season will begin. Having a spring season canceled, that chase for a championship robbed. But ultimately, it was for the better good of the athlete, their health, their well-being. But over the last few months, they've had to address some concerns, whether it be their personal wellness, their personal health when they return to sports, their mental health, and so much more they've had to address as they've made their way back to campus. At Fordham right now, you're not dealing with your typical Fordham football seasons. Men's and women's soccer didn't have the opportunity to take the field as they normally would. Track and field not participating in the same competition. So when they do retake the field, and we all know it's coming, what are the concerns that they will face in terms of their own health? Because you can only do so much on your very own when you're trying to create a regimen, stay safe, and ultimately keep yourself fresh for a forthcoming season. That's always been an unknown throughout this entire time, and the athlete has had to address themselves, but also stay in contact with their teams and their coaches for the best practices to stay ready to go. I figured no one better to bring in on this edition of Fordham Conversations than someone who witnesses these injuries and talks to athletes about their concerns. That's Dr. T. Sean Lynch, who's the head team physician here at Fordham. He knows the student athletes, he knows the struggles they've faced, and he also knows what could be on the horizon. I want to discuss trends. I want to discuss projections for what the fall could have in store. Not only do you have to deal with COVID-19, but you have a cold and flu season coming up as well. That's one of the main obstacles to just jump-starting a fall season. You have orthopedic injuries that will inevitably come for some of these athletes if they're not ready to go, if they're not in the best shape possible, and they make that sudden return to the field. Dr. Lynch has quite a track record. He's a native of Omaha, Nebraska, received his degree from Georgetown, his medical degree from the Georgetown University School of Medicine, and was a resident at Northwestern University in Chicago. He specializes in orthopedic surgeries that are minimally invasive, arthroscopic hip and knee surgeries, and much more at Columbia. And he knows the advancements in medicine, where they're heading, and he also has been involved with several of the professional sports teams in New York to keep their athletes safe and ready in this return to sports over the last few months. Going to ask for some perspectives on what the fall has in store and what the future of college athletics entails. No one truly knows when sports will be back and also how the athletes will be able to adapt to it when it comes. He knows the concerns, he knows what athletes are facing right now, and he is preparing for everything that could be in store. So really excited to have Dr. T. Sean Lynch as our next guest on Fordham Conversations. He's a key member of the campus community and excited to dive into everything with one of the best in the field. Let's welcome Dr. T. Sean Lynch to Fordham Conversations. Thanks so much for being with us. Yeah, thanks so much. I'm glad we were able to get together today. It's been a very interesting time for people across the board, every profession. How's it impacted you specifically? Yeah, you know, um, I don't think there's been anyone in any field of life that has not been touched by what has happened over the last five to six months. Um, from the medical side of things, I am based out of New York Presbyterian Columbia Hospital. And at the beginning of March, we had the first 
individual in the New York area that uh, developed COVID and was in our intensive care unit. And within about a seven to 10 day period, uh, things rapidly uh, deteriorated uh, to where we went from one to innumerable uh, individuals uh, and it was over flooding our, our emergency rooms at uh, new, uh, numerous MYP sites, but particularly the Columbia site. Um, elective surgeries were soon canceled. Elective uh, outpatient visits were canceled. Uh, we transitioned to telehealth to be able to maintain relationships and, and be able to still continue to see our patients. And then from there, we ended up having redeployments where faculty members, as well as our orthopedic surgery residents, ended up getting redeployed to the emergency room as well as the ICUs to help the, the ER with the, the onslaught of people who were coming in incredibly sick. And that was at that time when we were talking about trying to flatten the curve because quite honestly, the, the ERs could not manage the number of people who were coming in uh, with deteriorating respiratory issues. And it was not uncommon for, for you to hear stories of um, for nurses and physicians to be walking through the waiting room and, and people being sitting in a chair dead. Uh, that was real. Um, so as, as time has gone on, I, we've been able to flatten that curve. Our uh, positivity rate in the city has, uh, has decreased and we've slowly been able to return to some normalcy from being able to treat our orthopedic patients. Uh, we were able to start elective surgeries in the middle of June and we've been slowly in increasing the number of patients that we've been able to see in the office, but all, all of our workflows and our efficiencies have really been uh, with social distancing in mind. So it's, it's been a different way of doing work. Um, and I think everyone uh, has been having to pivot and, and be a little more flexible with what they've uh, done previously as a, as a result of this. You mentioned flexibility. As someone who does those elective treatments and elective surgeries, how challenging was that transition of having to push everything off and have something else completely take center stage? Yeah, that I would say that, you know, I think we all understood what was going on. It was having to get the buy-in of some of our patients to understand why we were not able to do the procedures that, uh, that we needed to. And, and, and particularly in my role as an orthopedic sports medicine surgeon, you know, we do surgeries at times when uh, an athlete is during their off season. So it allows for them to maximize uh, their recovery before they go into their next season. So we, I had a couple handful of patients that were in that position that were uh, dealing with the stress of COVID as well as the stress of not being able to start their recovery um, and being able to keep their feet on the ground and, and keep their eye on the prize and making sure that we're doing the right thing for them. Because at that time, we still were, we weren't even sure that if, uh, despite the, the PPE uh, limitations that we had, uh, we weren't sure if we were putting patients in harm's way by doing surgery during those times. So quite honestly, just from the elective pers uh, perspective, that was difficult. But even more complicated was when, you know, our trauma patients would come in. So uh, we had patients who would come in with hip fractures or leg fractures into the emergency room. Um, we would have to go through a medical board at the hospital to get approval to do surgery for that, which, which is considered to be routine during any other circumstance. Um, you almost felt like you were playing uh, a little bit of God because you had to be able to uh, plead your case for your patients so that they could potentially have the procedure done. So um, as physicians, we, we take the Hippocratic Oath to, to do no harm. And, and this was an instance where uh, 
we were trying to do everything we could for our patients, whether it was our, our sports athletes or uh, grandma and grandpa that might have just had a bad fall. So it, it's been it's been a tough, uh, tough time, but I think we're slowly coming out of it. There's so much talk about the fall season and when athletics can return full bore. Is there any difficulty in having to treat patients that you would normally treat, athletics included, and supplementing that with a potential uptick in COVID this fall? Is that part of the conversation? Um, I, I would say particularly with our student athletes at Fordham, that is part of the conversation. Um, because whenever you have a large group of individuals who are congregating uh, on a college campus, uh, coming from all parts of the country, uh, you know, you can have student A and student B coming from two different parts that have been exposed, may or may not have been exposed. Um, that, is a, that is an initial concern, and we're starting to see that with certain uh, institutions and universities uh, across the country, where once those students got back onto campus, um, you, you've seen an uptick in the number of uh, positivity, uh, positive tests uh, amongst, uh, amongst college students. Um, I think it'll, it tends to balance itself out once you kind of get through those first couple weeks and everything tends to equilibrate. Um, but this is a part of the conversation because as a sports medicine surgeon you, or a sports medicine doctor, athletes need to be active to, to get hurt. Um, so right now we're, we're trying to help, uh, help our trainers and help the student athletes kind of recover from whatever injuries they might've had from last season, helping provide support so that they can ramp up appropriately in terms of training for, uh, training for practice in the fall. Uh, but in terms of competition, we're, we're kind of in this right now. Before we get into the more orthopedic aspect of it. Just in terms of COVID-19, there are plenty of discussions as to how it affects young people, particularly with college students going back to campus. What are some of the unknowns that create unrest, uncertainty about COVID-19 with youth? Yeah, you know, I, I think the, the concerning thing, particularly in young college uh, individuals, is the number of individuals who could be asymptomatic. And it's actually been thought that those individuals that are asymptomatic can actually be, can, uh, can have a higher risk of being able to spread that, um, although that's uh, that's still being investigated further. But I think the area where it's become a, a big topic is in terms of the heart health uh, for those individuals. And that's where we've seen a lot of the controversy with college football this fall um, in terms of what does this virus do to the heart for these young athletes? Um, and when you look at some of the leagues that have decided to press on to play, uh, they have cited certain, uh, they've uh, cited certain studies uh, that say that it's okay. And then when you look at some of the uh, conferences that have opted not to play, they've cited another study, which there's been some thought to be some flaws in that. So it just goes to show that there really is no playbook uh, when it comes to dealing with COVID-19. And we're, we're all trying to do the best that we can with the information that we have at this current moment of time to make sure that we keep our student athletes healthy and safe. What are some of the most common concerns you hear from student athletes or coaches as they try to ramp up after months of not being in competitive environments, now heading back to campus and immediately pushing the go button? Yeah, so, you know, I think um, there's two main concerns. One is just making sure that they're not getting at risk uh, for getting COVID. But the other thing is making sure that they're not going to be uh, um, uh, at risk for any injuries as a result of it. 
an example is uh, back in 2011 when the NFL was in their lockout, uh, when they came back to training after being away and they didn't have an off-season program, there was a huge uptick in the number of soft tissue injuries, particularly the Achilles tendon, where there was, uh, uh, compared to the previous seasons, uh, a large number of Achilles tears that had occurred that would not have previously occurred. And so we've been working uh, diligently with uh, Aaron Cameron, our head athletic trainer, as well as uh, Coach Gilfeder, uh, the head of uh, strength and conditioning, to ramp up our athletes appropriately so that they are having appropriate volumes and loads being placed onto them so that they're not going from zero miles per hour to 100 miles per hour. And I, and I would say that there's probably a little bit of silver lining that our fall sports um, are postponed uh, for right now uh, because there is, there's not that rush right now to have them ready for any specific competition, but rather just trying to get them back into shape. And I think that's where our coaches and our training staff are going to be working for, uh, over the first four to six weeks to help our athletes get back uh, ready to play. You talked about that workload. In your mind, what are some of the ways athletes can stay in a physical state where they're not as prone to, you mentioned those soft tissue injuries that could come up after a long layoff? Yeah, you know, that, that's the million dollar question. Um, we, we deal with this with professional athletes and it's become quite popular uh, with some of the teams in the area uh, here. Uh, but in terms of our, our college athletes, I think it's trying to make sure that you know your athlete, and particularly uh, with this down period that we've had over the last five to six months, every athlete has every athlete has had access to certain things and making sure that you understand you know where your athlete was coming from. There's some states where gyms didn't close, and there's some states that gyms did close. So knowing what they were doing, what they were what they had access to, and then from there being able to come up with a plan, um, that is really individualized to what they've been able to uh, keep up with because there's some of our athletes that were just doing bodyweight exercises uh, over the last five months because they were not able to get into the gym. And that's going to be different than someone that might have been coming from a different state where they were able to get in uh, with social distancing and continue their, their normal off-season workout routine. Is there such a thing as too much conditioning during a layoff like this? Um. I guess you could probably say yes in the respect that every a, athletes always need the opportunity to recover. If they are doing too much of one particular activity, then they're not getting the time to let their muscles uh, and the rest of their body to recover and heal properly. So I, I guess uh, from a conditioning perspective, you can have too, uh, too much conditioning. Um, I, I suspect though, uh, with uh, student athletes getting into campus um, that we're probably not, it's, it's going to be more the opposite. If there was to be a football season start, let's say around January, in your mind, what are the pros and cons of just pushing back a few months? Meanwhile, COVID-19 could still be a real threat, yet there would be those three to four months of conditioning that would come with the ramp up towards football. Yeah. So, you know, I think, I think being able to utilize the fall semester to allow for athletes to have their appropriate off-season programs that they typically would have done during spring football as well as during the summertime to ramp up, allow, uh, allow the world more time in the event that there could potentially be a vaccine in time. Um, although that, you know, you can't bet money on that. Um, but I would say the one thing that makes me a little concerned is starting football in January is that's going to be in the middle of flu season. Um, and that just complicates this whole COVID thing as well, too, because right now, uh, most of what we're doing, we're able to be outside because it's summertime and it's nice. 
and most people don't get sick during the summertime. But once the weather starts getting a little bit colder, people are going to be indoors more. Uh, there's going to be more uh, more coughing, more uh, more spreading of respiratory droplets as a result of uh, people getting sick. Um, so that's one that's one variable that uh, is in the back of my mind when we start talking about uh, football season starting in January. Um, obviously, uh, time will tell on that one. When you look ahead to the fall, a lot of talk now about the mix of cold and flu season, as you mentioned, along with COVID-19 still being a threat. Normally, when you uh, get infected and you have a cold or the flu and you go to the doctor, they're not, quote unquote, testing you. They're just looking at your symptoms. But all those symptoms that you would have are on the longer list of COVID-19 systems as well. How is the medical field preparing for the uncertainty of whether someone's infected with COVID? or someone could just have a cold or a flu? Yeah, that, that's a great question. Um, I think everyone, when if someone's gonna be presenting to a medical clinic uh, with those symptoms, uh, we're gonna be working off of the assumption that they have COVID-19 until proven otherwise. And that was the difficult thing back in March when we did not have uh, readily available uh, testing kits. Um, that was one of our biggest problems when we came out of the gate with this thing is that we were hoping, we were testing patients for influenza and hoping that they had the flu and then kind of going down our pathway uh, and saving the COVID tests for the, the last thing. Now, as we've been able to keep up with and increase our production of COVID testing, uh, I think most people are going to assume that people are COVID-19 until proven otherwise uh, in order to keep, uh, in, in order for an individual to keep themselves safe as well as uh, safe from others. When you look at pro sports right now, a lot of modified, abbreviated seasons going on. When you look at shortened seasons and athletes are trying to empty the tank, they're trying to go above and beyond to achieve maximum results, what's a safe way to exceed expectations while still keeping yourself healthy? Yeah, you know, it's... Uh, that's a it's a good question. Um, we're seeing right now, particularly with Major League Baseball, uh, with this shortened season, that the number of soft tissue injuries again has been has been has been quite large this uh, over the first thirty days of the season so far. And you, they could be a, to a multitude of reasons. You know, one is you know didn't get a full spring training in, had a very short summer uh, ramp up over a two week period of time. And then trying to play a large number, large volume of games in a very short period of time as well, too. These are all things that are just going to be inherent risk to asking for a soft tissue injury. Um, at the same time, it's tough to tell a, an athlete uh, to not be competitive, to not go after that ball, to not run, uh, run out that, uh, that ground ball. So it's one of those things that there's, that's, you know, as I said earlier, in terms of these soft tissue injuries, that, that's really the million dollar question. And I'm sure as we go through this, we're going to continue to learn more that we can uh, be able to uh, research and hopefully continue to find ways to optimize and maximize our, the performance of our athletes. There, there's no magic answer, unfortunately. Transitioning back to your role at Fordham, and you look at these teams that are currently going back into the full swing of practice mode, is there a certain threshold of practices that you think is is necessary off the bat? Should there be more practice since there's no games or should it be a normal practice week for these teams as they continue to look forward to the return of play? 
Yeah, so I think over the first couple of weeks, I think it's going to have to be more of an emphasis on uh, the appropriate conditioning and ramping up with a little bit of a uh, little bit of individual work, um, because a lot of these uh, a lot of our athletes have not been doing much uh, since they left campus. So I think the number one goal is going to have to be focusing predominantly on their conditioning, and we saw this with the NFL with training camps, and uh, their NFLPA was able to uh, negotiate. Uh, the initial days at camp to be focused more on conditioning, not so much on gameplay and the elimination of uh, the exhibition game so that they can make sure that they were ready for the first game in a couple weeks. And I think that's the same mindset that we're going to have to hold with our student athletes as well, too. Um, and then once we make it through those first few weeks, uh, we start getting a good sense of where we're at in terms of our uh, positive uh, uh, rates on the on the campus, in, uh, increasing the number of uh, bodies that we can have uh, at any one time during a, a Enter uh, team uh, competition, and then you know hopefully try to get them uh, for uh, you know inter squad competition at some point uh, towards the late fall. Um, I think the one thing that we have working for us is that there are no games this year, so we can really make sure that they're working on individual skills, working on conditioning, and then as uh, we get make it through that first month, start integrating back into some team play uh, based on how you know, uh, the world and COVID is uh, allowing our athletes to be in, in larger groups. But a lot of our, we're going to have to change it and be uh, a little more um, uh, inventive with what we're doing this fall in terms of uh, how we practice, because it's not going to be practice as we have seen it in the past. When you take more of a long view and you think to yourself about the future of, of sports medicine beyond this year, if there's no college football, if there is no any season in college athletics, what could the long-term effects be uh, for some of these athletes when you look at treating them in the future? Yeah, you know, the, the thing that I'm most concerned about, honestly, is the mental health of a lot of these athletes because there is so much identity that comes from being an athlete, being part of a team, being, you know, uh, you know being a star. Uh, that when that is taken away of no doing of your own, that can be really difficult to cope. Um, so one thing that we've been working with with the training staff is to make sure that we're identifying athletes that uh, want to be able to utilize the, uh, the support of our sports psychologists on campus. Uh, and it's interesting um, uh, for our incoming and transfer athletes um, this year for our uh, pre-participation physicals, uh, in order to limit the number of bodies that we had uh, in any one spot, we tried to do a lot of that stuff off campus prior to them coming. But we had a whole questionnaire that they had to fill out. And a question that was part of that was, um, you know, would you be interested in seeing someone? And there was a large number of athletes that, that were, which I think is a good thing, uh, because this is a time where their athletes are used to being in control of things, uh, whether it's their performance or their workout routines or uh, or having a regimented schedule. And when you take that all away, that setting, uh, setting could potentially set up for, for bad things to happen. So we're going to make sure um, a lot of the, the energy that we would have put into uh, treating en uh, injuries this year, uh, we're going to have to put as much, uh, as much energy uh, into making sure that we're treating their mental uh, mind frame as well, too. And we're going to have to partner with our coaches and strength and conditioning to make sure that everyone is uh, looking out for, for our athletes from that perspective. So that's, that's going to be a big part of our fall here, making sure that we, uh, we're, we're keeping an eye out for our athletes and their mental health. One more for you. Is there a tie between mental health and physical health on the field? Yeah. Um, you know, it's interesting when we, uh, so I'm, I, 
to answer your question, I'm going to give you another example and jump back to that. So when we look at orthopedic surgery and we look at our outcomes after surgery, what we find is that individuals who have good baseline mental health uh, are more likely to have, it's, it's the number one predictor for having a good outcome after surgery. And I think that is very easily uh, translatable to performance on the field as well too. So making, uh, making, making sure that athletes are feeling like athletes, making sure that they're confident, making sure that they have good mental health, that can allow for them to have good success as well too. And I think we've, over the last few years, we've been able to utilize uh, the resources of our sports psychology team to really help with a lot of our athletes, whether it's from a performance perspective um, or um, other multitude of issues that have allowed for our athletes to, to be able to perform at a higher level. That's Dr. T. Sean Lynch. Appreciate a few minutes here. Thanks so much for all of the insight. Thanks so much. A big thanks to Dr. T. Sean Lynch for taking time out of his very busy schedule to join us here on Fordham Conversations. Very interesting catching up with someone like Dr. Lynch. I'm someone who went through an arthroscopic hip surgery, so the, the subject matter is very interesting, and, and you hear it all the time, especially in this medically advanced society we live in, these minute injuries that affect athletes in a big-time way. He's definitely ahead of the curve when it comes to these minimally invasive surgeries and getting athletes back on track in a very, very quick fashion. That's going to be the case this fall, and we brace for the return of sports whenever that may be, looking towards a potential late November start to college basketball. Will the fall seasons be played in the spring? There's plenty more in store. We're going to have updates for you on the regular, talking to the relevant members of the athletic department and monitoring how things progress. So a big thanks to Dr. T. Sean Lynch again and everyone over at Columbia for making one of the best we have available to give us some perspective. Really enjoyed all of his insights and cannot wait to have him back on the show in the near future. You can catch every episode of Fordham Conversations on WFUV.org. You'll get full interviews from members of the Fordham University community to discuss and uncover the issues that impact our world. For this episode of Fordham Conversations and for Dr. T. Shaw Lynch, I'm Emmanuel Burberry. We'll catch you next week.